This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Hey everyone, Boomer Esiason here. The NFL Draft is behind us and your favorite team is now gearing up for week number one. The free Odyssey app puts you right in the middle of the pro football conversation with the biggest sports radio stations from across the country. The local voices who know your team the best, giving you their unfiltered takes on the current state of your squad. It's always football season right here on the free Odyssey app. It's time for Warriors This Week. Shot clock down to 10. Cool dribble drive to Thompson in the corner. He'll launch with five and for three and say goodnight. Now, here's Sean Dickinson. Here, Whitey Gleason, as I come to you from Los Angeles. Whitey Gleason in our San Francisco studios. One more time mm. here on 95.7 The Game. It is Warriors This Week. The Lakers last night dispatching of the Warriors 122 to 101 as they take the Western Conference semifinal series four games to two the Warriors reign as NBA champions is over and Whitey I want to say as always good to be with you and and just kind of set the table for the show in this way and it was pretty much how I set the table for Warriors wrap-up last night immediately following the game Uh, I get it Warrior fans are are emotional and and I'll just say if, if you want to be angry uh, or sad, or appreciative, or, or whatever, here for the next three hours at 888-957-9570. Uh, that's, that's all on the table. I'm, I'm here for all of that. Right. All of the emotions that, that a fan goes through following a, a difficult loss. And then the layers of the Game 6 last night, and what a colossal disappointment that was as the Warriors get blown out and eliminated. The series as a whole, four games to two, the Lakers take it, and really... At times, it looked like the Lakers were the more dominant team, but the Warriors had chances to to win the series, missed opportunities in Game 1 and Game 4. And then, of course, we got to get into a tumultuous season overall. And then, big picture, where do the Warriors go from here? So all of those things are are what we're going to dive deeply into, and there's just a lot to unpack between now and 1 o'clock here at 95.7 The Game. But but we are here for it. And, yes. and Whitey, I, I welcome you into the conversation here. Good to be with you, my man. Just kind of your general thoughts on all of that as we set the table. <laughs> yeah, uh, you're right. We are here for you today. Therapy session, if that's what you need. Uh, you're right as far as the way the series went. And I know Steve Kerr alluded to it last night. Warriors had some opportunities. I don't know that they were capable of winning this series or going much beyond it, but they did have chances. Game four was the one that uh, stood out to me where the Warriors basically gave that game uh, away. But ultimately, I found myself last night, you know, sifting through the emotions and the feelings and the thoughts. And I, I have to be honest, there was a little bit of a sense of relief just in that this year has been so tumultuous and so frustrating and so difficult, primarily, of course, for the players and for the organization. But it just was a year where nothing quite fit together. And now at the very least, okay, I agree with Steve Kerr. This team went about as far as it was going to go. And the good news is there's no indication 
that anybody has any intention of breaking up this core. So now the focus, you know, with all the emotion, the, the organization has to focus unemotionally on how do we get uh, back to closer to where we want to be during this offseason. It's going to be a fascinating offseason. It was a strange, strange season. Let me just say this real quick. There's a lot of talk about the dynasty. It's done. Oh, it's the end of the dynasty. J.D., to me, some of this is semantics, but the dynasty ended in 2019. A dynasty is an extended, unbroken period where you're on top. The Warriors 2015-2019, that was a dynasty. Three of the last four seasons now have ended painfully. So, yeah, one of those years they won the championship. The good news is they're still planning to make another run next year. But this dynasty thing, oh, it's the end of the dynasty. The dynasty already ended. The fact that the Warriors survived that, the loss of Durant, they're no longer a dominant team, but they're still a team that was in the final eight. That's encouraging going forward. But this, oh, it's the end of the dynasty. I think some of that is a little overwrought. Miss me with that. It's interesting because I actually have a different take on it, and and it's and it's not a, a to me it's we don't know if the dynasty is over, and I I understand your definition, but I think a lot of people last night and were kind of on this kick of well them losing last night means that it's over. Well, no, it means they're no longer the champions, and and there's going to be a new champion this year. And, and and my definition is no, the dynasty I think can continue. If they can get back to, you know, maybe win, like if they want another championship, let's say, and, and look, this is this is a, a reach to say today, considering, you know, it's not out of the, the question, looks yeah, and it's not out of the but, question. But if they if they want another championship with Steph Clay and Draymond, let's say two years from now in 2025, I think you can go back at that point and say, hey, over this 11 year span, the Warriors won five championships, or or if they somehow are able to bounce back and, and put a team together that can contend and win next year. Wow, they won five in ten seasons. That's really you know that's a dynasty. Oh, that's great. I think we do we do look at the Spurs. I think going back through ninety nine to fourteen, which was a fifteen year span where they won five titles, and it is viewed as a dynasty in 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 many people's eyes. So there's always that you know, kind of movable definition of what everybody thinks a dynasty is and it's subjective. I, I think I know you you gave maybe more of a dictionary type definition of it and that, sure. that's that's fair. <laughs> uh but uh I, I didn't view last night just on that point as if, oh well they lost the dynasties over, especially with the report that came out right as the game ended and it was from Sham Sharania and Anthony Slater and there were a lot of different things in that report and it basically it coincided with the tone of the postgame press conferences over at, at Crypto.com Arena. And, and I'll just you know, read to you, Whitey, and, and to the listener, just the, one of the, the uh, first couple of paragraphs here. There's still internal belief that this established core, and again, this is from Shams and Anthony Slater, still internal belief this established uh, aging core can compete for titles because Steph Curry remains a top five player in the NBA and both Draymond Green and Klay Thompson aren't showing signs of steep decline. Green made an all-defensive team. Thompson, despite a brutal series against the Lakers, which obviously we'll have to get into here between now and one, uh, they you know he led the NBA in three-point makes. And so the even though Curry's 35, and now I'm paraphrasing, there, there's a belief that that they still think they can do it with that three, which I think was the tenor of the post-game press conferences with Steve Kerr saying that, that those three specifically still have a lot to give. Draymond said he wants to be around. There's a financial component to that. 
we got to figure out what happens with Bob Myers. I mean, as far as the moving forward part, there really is a very you know, cut and dry. It's, all right, what happens with Bob? Does what happened with Bob affect Steve? Does Draymond want to be in or out? If it's out, but it's out because he wants a longer-term deal, well, then they have to figure that out. And then you start to say, all right, well, how do you get better at that point? And, you know, we can get into a lot of the different ways that yes. the Warriors can get better. But I do think the one thing that the, the postgame tenor sounded like, and also if you just look at the way this series played out, there's a redefinition of who's part of the core, I, I think. And and players that I think we thought were in the core may not be in the core anymore, Jordan Poole, uh, and, and players who I think were firmly entrenched in the belief that they were going to be around and have an opportunity to develop here, Jonathan Kaminga, may not be uh, may not be around for the long haul as this team looks to double down on Steph, Clay, and Draymond. The fact that the organization seems to be saying with this report that we're committed to competing again next year, maybe that's not a big surprise, but it's great news from a fan's perspective because there is that you know concern with the growing tax bill. At some point, are they going to have to pull the plug on this? But So that's great, the realization, and I agree with it. We've talked about it. When you have three guys who are formed a championship course led by one of the greats of all time, frankly, Steph Curry, you don't replace that. It's like you might as well get the most out of it, squeeze every drop out of that while you have it because we've seen teams in the past where they thought, oh, we'll find somebody else. Like, no, it's really, really hard, if not impossible. So that's the right decision. Obviously, at this point, the plan was for the core to include some of those guys. You know, the plan was, we all know, and not to just belabor this, but you can't ignore it. James Wiseman at this point was supposed to be part of the core. With the second pick, they squandered that opportunity with the second pick and maybe with the seventh pick. That one's difficult to say, more difficult to say, because Kuminga had in some ways a really good year, but in the playoffs he wasn't, he couldn't put him on the floor. And now you've got part of that report saying that Kuminga's representatives want to meet with the Warriors. What's his future? Um, I, to me, if you're looking at upgrading, it starts with, huh, Pool Kuminga, I will trade them if I can get something back that I really like. I'm not at all reluctant to trade them if I can get something back that I like. I'm not in any way thinking, oh, those guys, they're my future. I don't look at it that way anymore. I'm not sure I ever did. But going forward, that appears to be, you know, you have difficult choices, limited choices. That appears to be one of your few roads to improving if you can get something of value for one or both of those guys as part of a package. And I'll read the paragraph as it pertains to Kaminga, and I do not want to make the next three hours about Jonathan Kaminga. And, you know, right. I, I know right. there's a good chunk of Warrior fans that love him and think he's going to be a superstar. I think there's another percentage of Warrior fans that think, uh, you know, he still needs some development and has a ways to go. I, I don't want to make this show, uh, you know, I love Kaminga. I hate Kaminga. I love Kaminga. I, I don't want to do that, but I will say, at just in, in reading the, the part of this story from The Athletic, uh, the Warriors and Kaminga's representatives, basically Kaminga said he wanted to be traded if he's not guaranteed a, a role next year. Uh, and and I, will, I will read it specifically. Kaminga, uh, the Warriors and Kaminga's representatives are expected to discuss his future this offseason. League sources say Golden State will need to decide whether Kaminga will receive a full-time role moving forward. And if not, league sources say the number seven pick in the 2021 NBA draft will want to be somewhere he can play more. So he basically is saying, if I'm not going to be in the rotation, I want to be traded. That, that I think, is the blunt way to put it. And 
wow, who the hell does he think he is? Yeah. Uh, but I'll leave it at that because, again, I don't at the risk of, uh, you know, turning the show into that, hey, I love Kaminga, trade Kaminga, I love Kaminga, trade yeah. I don't want that to be the show right. today. But, but there's again, no ignoring it. It's a huge part of this whole picture going forward. No, no question. So 888-957-9570, 888-957-9570. It is John Dickinson and Whitey Gleason. It's Warriors this week here on 95.7 The Game. Uh, in the aftermath of the Warriors season coming to an end, and again, just to kind of reset off the top, I know Warrior fans are, are highly emotional. Some are angry. Some are sad. Some are, are reflective and or appreciative of the run that the Warriors have had in, in reestablishing themselves at the top of the mountain, going back to winning the championship last year and then the tumultuous season that began mm. with the Draymond Green punch of Jordan Poole and things just never got right early. There was this old, young disconnect seemingly in play uh, all season long where the veteran players didn't seem to trust the younger players. That made the younger players less playable. And then there were injuries along the way, too, which increased roles for some. And and there was also an inability for those who got increased roles based on some of the injuries and then playing well when they got those opportunities to kind of fit their game back in a box to where this team was whole. I know I've said this a couple of different times this year, Whitey. When the Warriors were whole, a lot of the players that played well and helped them stay afloat when, say, Steph Curry missed a month at two different points this season just could not be as effective when this team was, you know, was fully had its full complement of players. I mean, Jordan Poole's, I think, a prime example of that. Jordan Poole really helped the Warriors when Curry was out this year, and the Warriors had a winning record with Curry out. And, you know, Kaminga got opportunities when Wiggins was out. Uh, They took Looney out of the starting lineup and put him in, played him in – Dante DiVincenzo was starting at the three when Wiggins was out and played well. Those three players, though, when the team was whole, didn't fit. And and that was a problem because on the one hand, you think, hey, these are pretty good players. But then on the other hand, they just they couldn't be effective at the level that they needed to be effective when the Warriors had Steph, Clay, Draymond, Wiggins, GP2 all available. And, and that, I think... Uh, I think was part of the reason why this team never really got it rolling over the course of this season and never really could consistently find it in the playoffs either. As far as last night goes, as soon as we got the report that Wiggins had injured his ribs, I thought, oh boy, if he's compromised at all, they're in big trouble. Anyone who's ever had anything with your ribs, you know how painful it can be. And, you know, he played last night 28 minutes, but it was pretty clear he wasn't himself. So that that really limited their chances to win last night. The fact that Wiggins, who was so good in the last game and, and is so important to them, the fact that he couldn't uh, play at full strength, they were doomed, I think, as soon as that became apparent. In the series, of course, we all know this, but I was just looking again, J.D., before we got started at the free throw numbers, and we all knew it was going to be this way. But my goodness, for this series – uh, the Warriors were 60 of 80 from the foul line, and the Lakers were 126 of 160. So basically doubled them. Fouls was 139 for the Warriors, 97 for the Lakers. We knew it was going to be something like that, but, man, that's a big hole to climb out of, which you hope you do with your three-point shooting, and they had limited success there. But as far as the series overall and how it pertains to, as you're saying, 
how good this team can be and why they were so limited this year. I think Tim Legler said it very well last night, right after the game on SportsCenter. He said the Warriors are small, their roster is thin, and he said their defense at times in that game and also during the year was feeble. And you put those things together, and again, I think Steve Kerr was right. That team got about as far as they were going to go. They were just too limited, and I know – not to wander down this path because you're right, fans are angry at Curry. He should have done this. He should have done that. Uh, I think Steve Kerr did a really good job. Um, I think the fact that the young players were not able to assume the larger roles, which was part of the blueprint, left this team in a position where they were small and they were thin and defensively they were feeble. And that's just, those are facts. And that's why they were so limited this year and their chances were so limited. All right. He's Whitey Gleason. I'm John Dickinson. 888-957-9570. Uh, let's go ahead and get to the phones, and we'll go ahead and start with Adam in San Jose. Adam in San Jose is going to get us tipped off here on a Saturday morning. Warriors this week at 95.7 The Game. Hey, Adam. Good morning, guys. I want to start off by saying similar to how we let go of the Jordan, uh, the pool party notion for Jordan Poole, we really need to let go of the Game 6 uh, clay notion. It was a thing of the past. It no longer applies. It puts a lot of pressure on him, and he can't deliver that. Uh, same performance he used to. And then um, I really want to talk about uh, Clay Thompson. So I really hope Clay works on his mentals this offseason and eliminates the proving mindset. He played a very selfish style of basketball this season and refused to change, even when it clearly wasn't working. Um, I, I think he needs to really diversify his game and understand that if his shot isn't there, he can impact the game in many other ways besides catch. Uh, catching and shooting from beyond the arc. Kind of similar. I know him and Russell Westbrook are different players. They play different roles, but kind of like Russell Westbrook was on uh, the Lakers. Um, He's definitely nowhere near a max player anymore, and quite honestly, after this Lakers series, he should settle for the vet minimum. Yeah, I don't know about – yeah, that's (laughs) – the last part was a little strong. The other stuff – it echoes things that I've said really all year. I mean, Clay played this season very angrily, it, it, and and I think Adam laid it out as the proving mindset, and I think that's one hundred percent on point. He was hell bent, I think, early to prove to everybody that he was going to be the player that he used to be. He got off to the horrendous start. And then to the point where they had the team meeting after that ugly loss in Phoenix where Steph Curry scored 50 points and the Warriors still got beat and blown out in Phoenix. I covered that game in in person, and there was the team meeting the next day, and reports were that that basically Draymond, in a a way, called out Clay for being selfish and, and, hey, get back to just relax and being you and, and helping the team. And then Clay had a couple of months where he was really good, some would say maybe statistically as good as he's ever been. I, I think if you watched it, you would know that that wasn't really the case because there were still some high highs, but the lows are much lower for Clay when he does not play well, and we saw that at times in this series. And so you're just not getting a steady Clay Thompson. But but the but the mindset to me, and I, I do think he has a Russell Westbrook type mindset in in the refusal, and I think Adam's spot on to acknowledge the fact that he isn't quite the same player or that he has to go about playing the game in a different manner. I think he acknowledged and everybody acknowledged that he's not going to be the same player he used to be. He like that that we know that now. Like we don't have to keep beating everybody over the head with that. Clay's even acknowledged that himself. 
But to me, and I think Clay exemplified the whole Warriors team this season in that they played this whole year as if they didn't fully understand that they weren't quite good enough, it weren't quite as good as they used to be, and were still good enough to maybe contend for a title, but they had to go about it a little differently. They had to be a little more disciplined. They had to take better shots. They had to be less careless with the basketball than they've been able to, to get away with in in recent years during this championship run. And, and they just had to be a little more buttoned up, maybe play a little slower, you know, whatever it is. And there was this constant fight in the playoffs, both series, even the Sacramento series, where the Warriors would do the things that they always do, and it would start to get them burned, and then they would switch for a game or two, and then they would they would kind of fix it, and then as they would fix it, they would go right back to the team to, to, to be in the team that they always been. It was like there was always this fight of how how long do we really have to play this different way? And you know, and, and the truth was, you had to play that way the whole time, and that was your only chance to keep winning. Mm-hmm. And and I think you know they. At times, it's you know you're, they're just not good enough. I think you know the shooting of Steph and Clay in the Lakers series, especially Clay, because Steph still impacted the game in a million different ways. But the shooting for Clay was the indicator of like this team can't win playoff series anymore if Clay Thompson's going to be bad. Like they just weren't good enough, and the, and if he's not hitting, you got to make an adjustment and keep it moving. I think that is now moving the offseason, Whitey. And I know I'm being long-winded about it, but it's just like he does have to come to grips with the fact, and I said this last night, he's not a max player right now. Like this whole report of him believing he's a max and he wants to get paid more than the 40-plus he's going to make next year, like get that out of your head. Like, it, you know, and, and figure out what you need to do to be an impactful, effective player to help this team as the franchise, the organization triples down on, on your core to try and continue to compete. He did play this year with a stubbornness that either, as, as you and Adam pointed out, that either wasn't there before or it just wasn't as evident because of the other guys he was playing with. I remember talking with Coach Kerr on the station about the fact that it appears after Durant left, Clay changed his game a little bit. It's as if he felt, all right, KD's gone. Now some of those shots are mine. I'm capable of doing that. That's how I can best help the team. And obviously it didn't go well this year. As far as his finances, uh, as you said, $43 million next year. There's a chance that they could maybe agree to an extension this year. But you know that if they were going to agree to an extension with Clay, he would have to take less money. How uh, how willing would he be to do that? The good news is, you know, they're in cap hell right now. But after this year, you know, depending on how they work things out with Clay, his 43 mil next year would come off the book. So it's possible, as I think Joan Hollinger pointed out in The Athletic, it's possible that you get through this coming season. The next year, they might actually be under the cap. But that's a, that's the elephant in the room right now. I think is Clay making forty three million when he's really not helping you anywhere close to to what he used to. Eight 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 nine five seven ninety five seventy. Let's keep it going on the phone lines here. Joe in San Francisco is next here on Warriors this week. Hey Joe. Hey guys. Um, Happy Saturday. I'm grieving, grieving the loss of the Warriors and, you know, grieving that you guys probably won't be on much longer for a while. But I just want to, 
this ironic the thing is when I saw the Lakers play the Timberwolves in the playoff games, I thought the Lakers are these bumbling fools that didn't belong in here, and I just find it ironic that the teams that bounced the the Warriors. But as a, I mean, they barely got by Minnesota. Uh, I've been watching this team since a little kid in the late seventies. I remember Rick Barry losing and the Warriors losing to the Phoenix Suns uh, after they won the championship, and I couldn't comprehend how a championship team could lose but when you're like seven or eight you just don't understand these types of things this team is flawed and i remember over the years thinking lester crop lester connor and lorenzo romar were going to be the great guys who turned the team around in the 80s and purpose short the whole the whole thing i just want to say i'm so appreciative of what this team has done for the area we have been blessed by watching one of the most transcendent players in the history of all sport, and uh, Tom Brady and uh, Kobe and Magic. All these guys have lost championships and law and been bounced and things like that. So we have nothing to be ashamed of, and I want us to appreciate the greatness that is Steph, uh, Steph, Steph Warriors, Steph. I just want to say moving forward, I talked to you guys a couple weeks ago, and I said the two, I think the two keys was going to be Clay and Poole. Clay couldn't play like a role player, you know, great at home and on the road, but he seemed to even degrade past that. And I think that's the tough spot because I just don't know if Kerr, and I just want to get your guys' opinion, was Kerr hoping for magic and, you know, like that Clay would somehow, after missing six shots, would, you know, get hot and click. Oh, we lost uh, Joe. They, yeah. yeah, we lost Joe there. I, I, I think, and we saw Steve Kerr do this, Whitey, uh, in this series especially. It, they, the Warriors, just as the series went on, had fewer players that were trustable to be on the court. And I, I thought even especially last night, and I didn't have a problem with it, he was just going to ride it out with, with Steph and Clay and, and Draymond for the most part. And, and you know, DiVincenzo had a decent game last night for, for the Warriors. He was It, it just became... It became, hey, empty it, empty the clip, and and see what you got. And yeah, they were hoping. I mean, because Clay can get just as hot as he was cold, seemingly in a blink. And you you'd go with your best players. And and there and even if you wanted to not go with your best players, there weren't other options because the Warriors didn't have enough players that were playing well to even go away from somebody at that level. You got to have somebody to come in and and, and take a guy's spot if you really want to sub him out, and the Warriors just weren't deep enough as the playoffs went went on to, to be able to do that. Yeah, by the way, Joe, thanks for the Purvis Short reference. I was at, uh, it wasn't, you know, Oracle yet, but the Coliseum Arena in 84 when he threw in 59 uh, against mm. the Nets, the great Purvis Short with that high-arching shot. I think the answer, if I understood it correctly, Joe, your question, on uh, why Steve Kerr stuck with Clay. In order for them to beat the Lakers, they needed Clay to be close to what he was in Game 2. That's what they needed, and nobody else could provide that. You could bring in someone who might play better in the short term than what you were getting from Clay, but you needed Clay to be Clay. And obviously, if you sat him down, he wasn't going to do that. So there's kind of a desperation to it. Reminds me, J.D., going back to when Chris Webber was coming back from injury with the Kings, and it was 2005, and he wasn't very good, but they kept playing him. It's like, well, if we're going to win, we need him to be at his best. No one else can give us that. He may, he may not, but we have to play him. And I think that bottom line is why Steve Kerr was sticking with Clay in hopes that he would become Game 2 Clay again. All right, he's Whitey Gleason. I'm John Dickinson, 888-957-9570. we got a lot of calls to get to. 
as Warriors this week. We're here until 1. We're talking about everything. The game last night, the series as a whole, as the Warriors lose it to the Lakers this season, and where do the dubs go from here? We'll continue the conversation next, right here on 95.7 The Game. Hey everyone, Boomer Esiason here. The NFL Draft is behind us and your favorite team is now gearing up for week number one. The free Odyssey app puts you right in the middle of the pro football conversation with the biggest sports radio stations from across the country. The local voices who know your team the best, giving you their unfiltered takes on the current state of your squad. It's always football season right here on the free Odyssey app. Now back to Warriors This Week on 95.7 The Game. All right, John Dickinson and Whitey Gleason. The Warriors' season is over. Lakers thumped the Warriors last night 122-101. to They take the best-of-seven Western semifinal series four games to two. The Lakers and the Nuggets are going to begin on Tuesday in Denver. Just kind of looking around. Miami knocked out the Knicks. Last night, so the Eastern Conference Finals almost set. Still have a Game 7 tomorrow between Boston and Philadelphia as the NBA heads toward a Final Four. Five teams still remaining, Denver and the Lakers, Miami, and, of course, Boston and Philly with one of those teams set to be eliminated tomorrow. Uh, 888-957-9570. Whitey, quick thought before we get back to the phones here. Yes, real quick. This is the last chance I'll have to do this this year, and it was – I. I, countless times it seems I did this on Warriors this week, just looking at the box score from the night before. And Kevon Looney, Kevon Looney had 18 rebounds last night. He does that so often. You know, the next day I look at the box scores. Man, I didn't know that. Uh, the Warriors, by the way, 20 offensive rebounds last night. That was the one area in this series where they really more than held their own was the offensive rebounding. But Kevon Looney, no matter what they asked him to do all year long, you know, there was so much drama this year. This guy's unhappy, that guy, and this and that. Kevon Looney's like, what do you need? And Kevon Looney just very fitting last night in 26 minutes, 18 rebounds, eight offensive rebounds. I'll miss uh, being surprised by Kevon Looney until next season. Yeah, he was terrific, and I think you know your point on Kevon Looney, and, and I think it relates to where do the Warriors go from here and, and sort of the redefinition, Whitey, of who is a part of the Warriors' core, and I think it's something that is fair to evaluate at the end of any season with any team, and I think last year, go back to when they won the NBA championship, and you're thinking, wow, Steph, Clay, Dre, Wiggins, Looney, Pool mm-hmm. Kaminga's going to be a, a, a future star in yep, a lot of people's yep. eyes, and Moody's going to play a lot, and he's Mr. Steady, and you know James Wiseman at that point's going to come back, and he's going to have a role. I, I think what we now know is uh, it's it's Steph Clay and Draymond at least for one more year, as has been kind of laid out. You know Draymond said he wanted to be a Warrior for life. Clay's under contract. Steph's not going anywhere. And everybody's kind of going down that road. I think, though, as you start to look at, you know, Jordan Poole's not a part of the core anymore. And and Jonathan Kaminga may, uh, you know, he's he, he isn't part of the core regardless, but he may be somebody that they're forced to have to move in an attempt to fortify the rest of the roster with more consistently playable players around that core. And so I, I just think it's interesting. I mean, Kevon Looney is part of the core. Kevon yeah. Looney is a trustable playoff player. Yep. You bringing up those numbers made me think of it. 
And you know, I, I think as we start to get into what do the Warriors do moving forward, I think it isn't just the big three. It's Wiggins as well, who was clearly compromised last night, and I'm with you. As soon as it was noticeable that he was compromised and they got down, it probably wasn't going to be their right, night. Right, right. Uh, but, but Wiggins is somebody that, that is a part of the so, – so you have, in essence, a starting five. But how do you fix the roster in those five to ten spots – that allows you to to you know get better and potentially contend. That I think is the question. Let me know. I know we got to get to the phones here. Can't wait to get to the phones. The Ringer had some trade proposals for the the Warriors today that just made me go, "What?" So at some point here, as we talk about the future, at some point I think you will find these uh, amusing. So we have those if you if you want to go to that at any point, JD. All right, look, yeah, definitely. Let's go to Bill and Marin though on the phones as we get back to it. Hey, Bill, eight 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 nine five seven ninety five seventy. Hey, so uh, I was, I mean, I was thinking something pretty simple. It seems like most championship teams have a, a solid number two player, you know, to match with a star, two stars typically. And the Warriors used to kind of with Clay Thompson, but uh, sadly, I think his days are gone. I think the Warriors really have to get serious and, and maximize what, what they have with, uh, with Steph Curry, maximize what they have in his career because it's obviously. You know, you can't count on him being healthy everywhere. Basically, the t- the clock's ticking on the on on. I think Steph Curry. I think the core, in my opinion, is one guy. Really, Steph Curry. A lot of the other pieces are moving parts. Um, they didn't used to be, but I think they are. I mean, I would keep Looney. He's an incredible rebounder. But you you got to have more two way players. You can't. And and Clay nowadays, sadly, is almost like a no way player. He's occasionally. He's inconsistent, and as anyone that gets old knows, when you get old, you get inconsistent, and that's the problem. You can't win championships being inconsistent, but they do have one guy still that could, you know, that is worthy of it, and you need two people. That's typically like go through history, you know, NBA history. You got a one-two punch almost always, um, not always, but almost always. Yeah, so anyway, yeah, that's yeah. my comment. You know, it's a bummer of a day, but that's the way things go, and who knows, maybe next year, but I don't think it's going to happen without major restructuring. I think it's foolish to think you can bring back these same guys, and oh yeah. Okay, Thank, thanks for the call, Brent, uh, Bill, in Marin. I thought it was an excellent point, and, and somebody called in last night on Warriors wrap-up and, and laid it out this way, and I hadn't really thought of it in these terms, but, but maybe I should have a little bit more quickly. He said, hey, the Lakers have LeBron and Anthony Davis. Like, that's a boom, like one-two punch, right? And, and you can talk about what they've done the rest of the rest, but they've got LeBron and Davis. The Celtics are in it right now. They've got Tatum and Jalen Brown. Boom, one-two punch. The, the Philly has Harden and Embiid, Embiid and Harden, right? And, and so you just you go through all of these teams. Denver has Jamal Murray to go with Jokic. Jokic. Even the Suns had Booker and Durant. And the Warriors right now have Steph and 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 I, yeah, you would say Steph and Clay in the past, but Clay is nowhere near any of these other twos, right? If Davis or LeBron are the two, if Booker or Durant are the two, if Harden or Embiid, you know, Harden's the two for Philly, Embiid's the one, uh, Tatum and Brown. I mean, every one of these teams have a have a better duo than the Warriors do. Yeah, uh, and and you know Steph is on par with the number ones, without a doubt. But there is a gap now at that number two spot, and the only way you can make up for it is with significantly more depth 
than the Warriors have, and and they just did never had that at any point this year. I'm with you. I agree with Bill. I think that type of player is probably not attainable. There are some good players they might be able to get. I think they need Wiggins to continue to evolve in that way, and maybe Clay finds it. The thing about Clay this year, I thought that playing every other day maybe was physically just very taxing for him, but also he, you know. He he played. He made some dumb plays this year, and even in the playoffs, oh, yeah. yeah, he made some dumb plays. Like you're not supposed to do that. That's part of the championship pedigree and all that. You're not supposed to make dumb plays. So you know it was it was Steph and Clay, and then the pool party last year. So you had that was your core. And Bill makes a great point. It's going to be difficult. I think maybe Wiggins is your best bet to become that guy next year. Yeah, and you could make the case that Wiggins was that guy in the playoffs last year. Yeah, and, yeah. You know, nobody, nobody really. You know, people hinted at it and acknowledged it, but it, the, the pull there, though, is, and this is what's interesting, is the personality types because you've got Wiggins, who that's not his personality type to be that guy, that alpha. It is Clay's personality type, and I think at times that works against him, as we talked about in the first segment when he isn't playing well. And I think Jordan Poole is that personality type. Like yep. he wants to cook and get his shots and all and that works against you. And so I do think there is this pull of you know the guys that you want you know to have that added, the guy you might want to have that type of mentality doesn't ha- and the guys who have it are, yep. are guys You're that right. maybe need to 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 dial it back. So uh, interesting stuff there to be sure. Austin and San Jose as we continue here on the phone lines on 957 the game. Hey Austin. Austin. Hey, hey guys, good morning, Whitey. Good morning, J.D. Love the show as always. Listen, a couple things last night. It's kind of hard to watch. I think everybody saw it, it, it toward the end. It really got hard to watch with the legs. And it looked like, I, what, what bothered me a little bit, it looked like the, the kind of defeatist almost, uh, defeatist, which I hadn't seen from a Warrior team in a while, um, which is something that we need to think about I, uh, going forward. The other thing that I looked, this is some of the comments from Kerr and otherwise, and we talk about the core and all that. I think that word's thrown around um, pretty liberally. But I think the the stars see the core as Steph, Clay, and um, Thompson, even of what everybody else says. I, I, don't, I don't think they even see Wiggins as part of the core. I think Looney's probably considered to be more closer to the core than than, than Wiggins, believe it or not. So I, I I think there's something to watch in the offseason. The other thing I wanted to say, guys, is maybe you'll get into it later, but the disconnect that shows itself this year between the front office um, and, you, and you guys, I know nobody likes to criticize Bob, but I will. Um, that would be Bob Byers and the coaching staff. That, that was a disconnect all year, J.D., and it didn't get fixed between young guys, second timeline, whatever you want to call it. There was never a connection. And toward the end, you start to see comments that, that from Bob Myers saying that if I get a guy, he's not going to play him anyway. So I think that's the point. The team was, is not a connected bunch. They didn't play well together overall. There were times, yeah, but they weren't. They weren't playable together. They didn't receive the result they want. So I think they've got to kind of build the team around what makes the most sense and, and make sure they're connected going forward because right now it's, it's, a, it's a hot mess, guys. That's all I got. Thanks. Spot on, Austin. I mean, why do you uh, get your thoughts on that? But, no, that I, I think that's 100% you could say there was a disconnect. I, I don't know. Definitely a, an age disconnect, the veteran players and, and the younger players. I'm not – a hundred percent sure that that Bob Myers was the one saying, "Hey, these young guys need to play more." I, I like I, I know a lot of people tend to view it that way. Hey, he picked them, so he wants them to play more. 
Uh, that's one area where I'm not sure we have the, we, we totally have a full understanding of the inner workings of the Warriors front office right. and how much maybe ownership is involved there right. and, and, and all of that. I know it's a, it's a collaborative, but I, I don't see Bob Myers sitting there thinking, damn it, play Wiseman. Like, damn it, play my guy Kaminga. Like, I, I don't know. It just it right. doesn't feel that way. You're right. I me. did not see that disconnect that Austin's talking about. Maybe you're right, Austin, but the disconnect between Bob Myers and Kerr, I understand why you, you, you think you saw it and other people think they saw it. I didn't see that. I For for uh, Bob Myers to say what he said about, hey, if we get a player and they, the, they don't play him, how does that help us? He's very smart. He, that would be like taking a shot at the coach, and I don't think he meant it that way. I think he meant we're not going to just get somebody if they're not going to play. I don't think he meant that as a shot at, at the coach. I think they had a great working relationship. I know earlier this year when I was in for somebody and we talked to uh, Steve Kerr about the Bob Myers thing, and he's like, I love Bob Myers. We need Bob Myers. There was no indication, in my opinion, that the disconnect was there. Maybe I'm wrong, but I don't think so, J.D. There were disconnects in other places, but Bob Myers, Steve Kerr, I don't think so. And I think um, Steve Kerr is really, really hoping that Bob Myers is back next year. No doubt. And, and I mean, just, just on a human level, as far as, you know, the culture and different things like that, I mean, the, the culture is, is Steph Curry and his personality and leadership and, and demeanor and all of those things. But Bob Myers and Steve Kerr both are in line with that Steph Curry. You know, if Steph is the, is the number one of the franchise, Myers and Kerr are – they fit the bill in terms of of you know that tone that you want to have set collectively. Yeah, real quick before we move on, uh, what did you think of Draymond not going back in the game in the fourth quarter? Because apparently Bob Myers said no. Six minutes to go, we're down twenty two. You're not going back in. Thought that was very interesting. Didn't care. And, yeah, you didn't care. Yeah, no. I well, I well, no, I didn't. I didn't care that he didn't go back in the game. Yeah, like to me, like why, like I, like is there some. If he had a little bit of an injury, why should he put himself? Yeah, I, I, I don't know what was the. It, I made a note of it, and I ended up not even mentioning it on the post game show because I didn't think like were people saying it was something like. Well, like, if if there is anything there, and you're right, I mean it makes sense, but it's an indication maybe like Bob he is quit thinking or didn't want to be out no, there. No, 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 no. Or, no, maybe Bob Myers is thinking, hey, big picture, maybe he is going to be around next year. It's a, certainly a stronger indication that. Draymond's part of their future. Maybe I'm reading too much into it. No, I'm not critic. I'm not saying he should have been out there. I just thought it's interesting that you know, Game Seven, and, or excuse me, Game Six, Draymond's going out there, and Bob Myers says, "No, no, no, you got a little calf thing." Well, yeah. And another thing on that. Remember when Draymond hurt his back last year on the game when Steph came, or excuse me, when Clay came back? Remember uh, initially Clay had something in his. Excuse me, Draymond had something wrong with his calf. Remember that, and it turned out to be his back. So. Fingers crossed that Draymond's current calf situation has nothing to do with the recurrence of his back injury. Well, and, and the other part of that is, and, and look, this is just reality. I mean, the Warriors lost two players in the final two games of the 2019 finals. Yeah, in their, absolutely. In their final two games. I mean, Clay Thompson was lost for a year. Right. In in the in their last elimination game loss, right? You know, in in You're the right. playoffs, yeah, it was and, prudent. And Durant, I just thought it was interesting. Yeah, yeah. To me, it was. I mean, could you imagine? And and Bob Myers went up to the podium and and you know was extremely emotional in both of those instances. Like, could you imagine the night? And it was a bad night. But could you imagine the night if Draymond, you know, tore his Achilles right. in the final five minutes of a right. game that was mm-hmm. when they were down Out by twenty and yeah. it. 
and it screw you know. So to me, if you're Bob on a human level, you just you just can't allow that. It's like, hey, we fought the good fight. They were better. This team wasn't good enough, and and you move on. Like I I had no issue issue with that. And but I do think it it shows the connect the connect between Bob and the core. Yep. And I know part of the the Shams Anthony Slater report, which dropped right after the game, was. Hey, Bob Myers being around, and it it was laid out that basically Bob is going to take some time to decide what he wants to do, which is kind of in line with what I've been saying over the course of this year. I know a lot of people think that this is cut and dry about, you know, he doesn't like dealing with Lacob or he wants more money, and it's not like I I really don't think to me it's more Bob trying to determine whether or not he wants to just continue or take a break or spend time with his family or just have accomplished everything in this position that I can. I know that's hard for fans to understand. Like, why would he want to walk away? There has to be a reason. You know, it has to be money. It has to be Lacob interfering. And I, and I just don't, I don't think that's like, maybe that's some small part of it. But to me, those are things that, that, that could be overcome. I think this is just more about Bob Myers and his life and and just how he wants to spend it as somebody at a very young age who's accomplished a lot in in his position and he might just want to take a two year break and 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 step away or and 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 refresh himself like i don't think it has to be this personal indictment of of anything but to kind of you know keep going on that the tone of that report is and and obviously everybody post game that everybody wants bob myers back especially though the core yeah and so it's yeah. You know, when you start, hey, who's the core, right? Steph, Clay, Draymond, Kerr. I think for and, and I think they want Bob Myers to be part of that core as well. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. You when you have so much success, sometimes you get to a point where the winning becomes not a joy but a relief. You know, and that's not a great situation to be in. And if he's anywhere near that, it's a great time to reflect and say, uh, how much more can he do? I if I had to bet right now, and I've been back and forth on this. If I had to bet right now, I think he's coming back next year, and I think everyone's going to be elated that he does. Yeah, it's it it hadn't felt that way, and and I and I really don't know. I mean, I've kind of said I I don't know. Yeah, but I, I know the the tone has been, uh, you know, the, the the tone is that everybody's going to try to talk him into it. Mm-hmm. I, I think mm-hmm. at this point. Uh, and and I don't necessarily think it's about money or or other things like that. Like right. it's been it's right. been played out. Uh, let's go to the coach in Vallejo. Eight 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 nine five seven ninety five seventy. Hey JD and Whitey, nice hey. talking to you. Um, like most fans, I'm pretty pretty upset about what happened. But one of the things I like to say is, you know, the term "unplayable." I, I really personally don't like that because I think that's the coach's choice whether to play someone or not. I figure if you're in the NBA, you're playable. Now, especially with Jonathan Kaminga. If you noticed in the past, he played LeBron James very well whenever he, he played against him. So I thought Kerr would try that. He played uh, LeBron well last year. Uh, Kaminga played good defense on John Morant. He played good defense on Damon Lillard. And he helped carry the Warriors to the playoffs when Wiggins was out. So I don't see how unplayable in the, in, in, in the uh, uh, playoffs applies to him. Now, also, too, Kaminga Did is you watch the Sacramento team. series, Coach? Okay. Well, that one particular play when he didn't go in to get the rebound, that's one, okay? And after that, he never got another chance again. So that's, I wouldn't say that's unplayable, and I think that was unfair 
to label all that on that one particular play. Now, also, too, when you, when you get there and you have the better athletes in the world jumping high, and sometimes you have to play your best athletes. And I would love to see Wiggins and Kaminga on the court at the same time playing above the rim. Kaminga is actually the only warrior on the team that can actually defend all five positions. So uh, he sees his peer group that he dominated through high school and college, all play for other teams, and he doesn't get to, get to play hardly at all in two years for the Warriors. And overall, he had a good season for the Warriors. So I think it's unfair to label him a malcontent. He just wants to play like most athletes. So that's what I have to say, guys, and I'll be listening. Thanks a lot. Yeah, appreciate it. I mean, there, there's a lot to unpack there. Um, you know, he he made himself unplayable in the Sacramento series, and, and he was the worst player on the Warriors in that series. He was a minus ten in about four minutes in Game Two. He's a minus three in about three minutes in Game Four, and Kerr went away from him. Uh, he stunk in in that series. Like, let's just let's just be real and, and be honest. Now, as far as he had five rebounds you know, in the series. As far as the Lakers series, I, I, I said this at the beginning. I, I was surprised that, that he didn't get an opportunity in the Lakers series. But if if re- internally the core didn't trust him and he had been pouting, as had been reported, about not playing in the Sacramento series. Like, to me, like you have to understand why you didn't play in the Sacramento series. Like, if you're, if you're Jonathan Kaminga and you're pissed because you didn't play more in the Sacramento series, then you have an unrealistic view of your play in that series, and that's a problem. That being said, that being said, I'm, I was surprised. I, I think him not getting an opportunity against the Lakers may have been more about the way he reacted to not playing against Sacramento, uh, but I also think it's a trust issue. I also think we talked about Whitey last week. The Lakers just didn't guard him. And, and you know, on the perimeter in that that one game in February, yeah, and and I just I just thought he got put into the category from a playing standpoint of someone that's not an offensive threat, and and that the Lakers would kind of expose for not being an an, an offensive threat uh, in 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 that this series if he got more time. Yeah, I I agree with you. The one thing I'll say to Coach's point, the one time in this series where I thought you know not that it matters what I think, but the one time I thought hey. Kuminga might be a good fit here was when it was slipping away uh, second half last night and, and LeBron was getting to the cup at will. I thought maybe, I'm you know, this game is, you're probably not going to win anyway. I might put Kuminga in there just in an effort to try to slow down LeBron. What they did was they went zone and they had some success with that anyway. But it's so hard to say because we're making assumptions. It did appear that he had some issues with his attitude after he wasn't playing um, and, you know, young player, especially a team that's competing for the championship, if you're not happy, that has to be reflected. You have to express that through playing harder, not through holding back. You're just at that level, no matter who you are, if you're on a good team and you're not playing and you're showing that through some reluctance, whatever, rather than going out and playing your hardest, you're not going to play. I think he's gone. Uh, I know we don't want to, you know, like you said, JD, don't want to spend the whole show on him, if I can get something of value for him. I'm not looking to trade him, but if I can get something of value for him and Poole, I think that's one of my few roads towards improving next year. So we may have and, seen and the love, end of Kaminga as a warrior. We'll see. I, I love And look, I still think the ceiling is high for Kaminga. It's just a matter of how long does it take to get there. 
Uh, you know, I respect the coach in, in Vallejo. Oh, yeah, me too. He didn't. He didn't. He didn't carry them to the playoffs. Like, th- there's this notion he didn't play that much last year. Like, I think there's a revisionist history component to. Oh, he played our. He he had a couple of games where he helped them in the playoffs, and that was he was a part of the core. La- he he barely played last year in in the in the playoffs when it truly mattered. And you know, I, I think there is this disconnect between. You know, people that think he's really good, like people, there are a lot of Warrior fans who think right now he's really good and 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 really could help, and and that's where I just I just completely disagree. Again, it's not an indictment of his career. Uh, to me, he shouldn't be saying he, that he wants to be traded if he's not going to have a guaranteed role, especially when part of the reason why he hasn't had a guaranteed role has been because he hasn't consistently done the things that the coaching staff has asked him to do. And and you know when when he's been a a, a ten you know a, a six to twelve minute player fitting in the role of a of a, a, a being a role player he hasn't been effective and and so that that it just doesn't it just doesn't play Whitey but yeah I don't want to I do not want to turn this into two more hours of right 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 I love Kaminga I hate Kaminga trade Kaminga I love Kaminga Kaminga's Kawhi Kaminga's Giannis Kaminga yeah I I just I don't want to do it. Again, I don't think, and I'm going to quote my guy Steiny. I know we're up against it and have to break. I'm going to quote my guy Steiny because I sent him the paragraph that I read earlier about you know the Warriors and Kaminga's representatives meeting and Kaminga basically wanting to trade. And Steiny said, in the last ten years, and I'm just I'm giving him full credit because I think he said it beautifully. In the last ten years, I'm not sure there's ever been more talk about a player who did nothing to contribute. I won't say nothing, but I'll say so little to mm-hmm. contribute because he has not contributed at the level that he's contributed more in the delusions of Warrior fans' minds than he actually has on the court over these last two years. Real, All right. Yeah, yeah. real quick. Yes, I, yeah, go ahead. Just Steve Kerr mentioned this to Tim Kawakami after the game last night. He said it's what the coaches see on tape every day. It's what the average fan isn't really going to decipher, but this is what Boom. we do. Young players take time. I have no doubt the way they all work and how much they care. They're all going to get better and they're going to grow, but it wasn't time yet, period. All right, hour number two next, 95.7 The Game. Hey everyone, Boomer Esiason here. The NFL Draft is behind us and your favorite team is now gearing up for week number one. The free Odyssey app puts you right in the middle of the pro football conversation with the biggest sports radio stations from across the country. The local voices who know your team the best, giving you their unfiltered takes on the current state of your squad. It's always football season right here on the free Odyssey app. 